Hi, everybody. This is just a short addendum to Dr. Music Season 1. It's something that I wanted to talk about in prior episodes, but I never got the chance because I try to keep the episodes around a half hour and I didn't want any of them to get too long. The only exception is the very last episode, the finale, which was almost 40 minutes, but that's because it was a special episode. What I wanted to talk about briefly is the fact that experiencing the arts, whether it be listening to music or reading a novel or poetry or watching a movie or looking at a painting, in other words, the activity of experiencing art is necessarily a solitary activity. These are things that in order to really experience them properly, you have to kind of do it by yourself. I mean, just think about listening to a piece of music. In order to concentrate, you have to do it by yourself. If somebody's talking in the background, it's a distraction. Or if you hear a noise in the background, it's a distraction. Or viewing a painting, or reading a book, or even seeing a film. Now, I don't know about you, but Sometimes I get very distracted when I'm sitting with an audience in a movie theater. There's only been a couple of times where I really felt like the audience was silent, but every once in a while you hear somebody munching on candy or popcorn, people are talking, sometimes they're talking quite loudly, they're not even whispering, and I find this to be very much a distraction because when I watch a movie, I'm not just watching it for the storyline and the actors, I'm looking at the entire art of producing a movie. I'm looking at the cinematography, the lighting, the directing, the camera angles. It's just my personality. I like to analyze pieces of art. When you look at the long credits at the end of a film, you really get an appreciation for how many people it takes to put a film together. Even though in front of your eyes, it's really just the actors. And they're the ones listed first on the credits because they're the most visible. But just because the actors and the actresses are the focal point and are the most visible doesn't make all the other hundreds of people that make the film less important. Now, I'm sure you know plenty of people who just like to watch a movie and enjoy it, and I do too. I, you know, the first time I see a movie, I like to just sit there and enjoy it. I'm not analyzing everything in the first viewing. But uh, if I really like a film and I feel like it's an unusually good film, I'll watch it multiple times, and I'll be looking at all the things, all the facets that make that film what it is. And the same thing goes with other works of art, like great books. A great work of literature can't really be appreciated after one reading. Just imagine just reading Shakespeare's Hamlet once. You really can't get much out of it. Imagine if you looked at a great painting only once. That doesn't really make any sense, right? You look at a painting, a great painting by a famous painter, and then that's it. That's good enough for me, just saw it once. Well, I feel the same way about great films. Even though I know what's going to happen, I know the storyline, and sometimes I could even recite the dialogue, I appreciate the art of making that film. Especially if it's a film that's not just written for the popular audience, but it's also written for posterity. The filmmakers want it to survive. And imagine listening to a masterpiece of music only once. Again, you can't get much out of it. So in order to really absorb and appreciate what makes a great work of art great, it takes time. And that's a solitary activity. You really have to concentrate, because if you're not concentrating, you're going to miss a lot. Now, this might not be true for certain popular works of art, because, for instance, a popular novel is written for a modern audience. It's meant to sell a lot of books. And it's not written for posterity. That's not their goal. Their target audience is the here and now. But 
masterpieces of music and literature, they take more concentration. So you really have to give it a chance and absorb it over time. And the solitary activity of experiencing and absorbing a work of art takes an investment of time. You have to be willing to take the time to do that and to spend that time away from people. We're all social animals. We like being around people. But this is a sacrifice that we have to make if we endeavor to experience some of the greatest works of art ever produced. And there's a kind of beautiful simplicity to experiencing a piece of music or a work of literature. It's just the individual and the work of art. That's it. So for that period of time, you're blotting out all of existence. You're just sitting there listening to music or reading a poem. If you're really enjoying yourself and feeling that you're fulfilled from the experience, then there's a sublimity to that simplicity. You feel like all the vibrancy and energy of life is channeled into that simple experience of the individual and the work of art. And it's a kind of escapism. Nothing else exists for that period of time, just the person and the work of art. And I think for a lot of people, well, definitely for me, the experience is very therapeutic and relaxing. That's why I use the word sublimity. It's, it's a sublime experience because the rest of the world is blotted out in that simplicity. Now, if you want a really eloquent description of how simplicity in life can be so rewarding, one of the main people you could go to is Henry David Thoreau, who, as you probably know, lived by himself in a little cabin by Walden Pond in Concord, Massachusetts, for two years and two months. And among the things that he discussed in his book, Walden, is the spiritual benefits and even the physical health of living a simplistic life. Now, of course, Thoreau took drastic measures to isolate himself from society, measures that I think not many of us would be willing to take today. But still, I think his philosophy in general is very healthy. And I'd like to quote one passage towards the end of the book, Walden, that I think really illustrates what I'm talking about. And what I love about this passage is that he really encourages people to follow their dreams. And sometimes when you follow your dreams, when you're drawn to something, it might be of a solitary nature. For instance, you might want to pursue playing the piano or listening to classical music or reading great literature. And if you're drawn to that, he would definitely say, first and foremost, be true to yourself. So Thoreau writes in Walden, I learned this, at least, by my experience, that if one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life which he has imagined, he will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. He will put some things behind, will pass an invisible boundary, new, universal, and more liberal laws will begin to establish themselves around and within him, or the old laws be expanded and interpreted in his favor to a more liberal sense and he will live with the license of a higher order of beings. In proportion, as he simplifies his life, the laws of the universe will appear less complex, and solitude will not be solitude, nor poverty, poverty, nor weakness, weakness. If you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. Now put the foundations under them. There you have it from the master, and I should also mention that the phrase castles in the air is attributed to St. Augustine. I wish you all a happy, healthy 2021. 
Season 2 will be coming out in 2021, and I'll let you know exactly when that will happen if you just check out my Facebook page, Dr. Music. Thank you, and see you soon.